tag team came out, didn't it? Um, Stray. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Or came out today or something. But yeah, uh, people are people are talking about it. So I want to play it. I want to play the cat game. I don't know why. Seems cool. Because you're Seems a cat. Cool. Yeah. It's one of those games where they got the and they got like the movement and the feel. You can tell it's it's right. It you know. And I, I really like games where you can control an animal and they feel like that animal. So I think that's where it comes from and i think it's one of those linear games like limbo or little nightmares or something but i'm cool with that yeah well it's just there to tell the story right yeah yeah and and the story is about a cat kitty cat honestly yeah. i just want to go Robin. and see how many things i can knock off of shelves <laughs> yeah can i do a little like pat like i think you can honestly i think i think they know what they're doing with this I mean, the puzzles seem pretty neat. Like, yeah. Obviously, I like things that can kind of paint me a story without directly telling me the story and build up the world and kind of, I want to say, like, almost like, like an, more it, or want to find out more, you know, about like what's going on in this world. And yeah, it's, it's environmental storytelling leads you to that. It's like, I want to yeah. figure out more, even though it's vague information being relayed. But if it's done right, it's really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean obviously, yeah. it can be done like it can be done very poorly. But I do feel like a lot of games do that very well. Not a lot of games, but a decent number of games do that well. Little Nightmares is one that I absolutely love both of those games. The second one is just incredible, though, because they're really, yeah, there's no dialogue whatsoever and it's all environmental storytelling and just reactions from characters and by the end you're just kind of like oh my god i I know so much having been given so little yeah i don't know why i always enjoy that yeah not to mention if it's like a like a quick five hour experience that's you know yeah it it just makes you feel like you got through something and you you know had fun with it and you moved on you might come back later all right well we shouldn't waste too much time we got a lot of um really complicated video game logic to parse through so welcome back everyone to the nerding grounds podcast uh this is a weekly show where we debate old video games and cry because our favorites are being killed right in front of our eyes uh i am your host quinn armstrong and i'm here with my co-host matt tolsdorf hello Hello. You ready to uh you ready to talk about Final Fantasy VII and Ocarina of Time and which of them we have to mercilessly slaughter and leave behind in the bracket? No. No, I'm not. Alright, well we'll see everyone next week. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Bye. Uh no, Just I mean honestly, it's kinda like we're talking about like two games that probably dictated a lot of what I would be playing for the next 20 years um, yeah. and kind of defined, helped define my interest as far as video games go. Uh, I would venture to say like our primary areas of video games too, right? Right. And like adventure RPG. <laughs> We're also there. helped, you know, do things like define our friendship oh, yeah. uh, and get that started. Oh, for sure. So, how do you choose between that? You know, 
I remember us talking about Ocarina of Time in like sixth grade. Yeah, <laughs> just, me too. Or, you know, fifth or sixth grade. Me too. Um, and then just, I don't know, just beating that game over and over and over again. And it's like, oh, it's been too long since I've beaten Ocarina of Time. Let me beat Ocarina of Time. <laughs> Let me just go through right. that game again. Yeah, I'm just going to run through it again because, you know, why not? I uh, can't do that secret. anymore. Dear Lord. I wish oh, I had the, the same old thing. Yeah, the same thing over and over and over again. Things I, you can. I feel like that's something you lose when you get older. Absolutely. Um, which is maybe why we were less stressed about the Final Fantasy VII remake being a departure because we were like, honestly, that's going to motivate me to get to the end. Yeah, <laughs> I have to see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I don't think we're really like. We're not exactly sticklers, you know. Like, let, let me see what it's like before our I, curiosity can, our, yeah. can lead a lot of the time. But yeah, I don't know. Just going back to Ocarina of Time. I mean, that just like Mario sixty four was a huge launch into just this new era. Like, this is what video games are now. They're they're not just three D. They are changing the entire conception of how you approach something like Zelda, an adventure where you can see everything in front of you and you can explore in more than just four to eight directions. And um, environmental puzzles require you, you to use a camera and cutscenes are more fleshed out and, and thorough and all these things. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, it just, it realized a Zelda game in a 3D environment. And it did it so well. I mean, you think about like kind of how, I mean, sure, it's not huge, but how big it felt, right? And how big it kind of was for the time. It's crazy to me. But, uh, you know, it's also, it it's that adventure, not quite open world, but pseudo open world, I guess. You know, Hyrule open almost. world enough, you know? Yeah. If you pull, if you pull the camera back a bit, I guess you could call Hyrule Field kind of like a hub. Yeah. And then each of the zones or levels are are gates and whatnot. But you know that's not how it felt. The way that they designed that game, the way that it it felt alive. Um, not to mention that was back when you could take an open game like that and see every single inch of it and still feel like it was big. But it's not, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, I'm never gonna see the end of this game. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Well, there's can be. I, I don't know. I, I, I can go back and forth between myself, between like what's too big and what's not big enough uh, in terms of like game worlds. That's uh, true. I, just I, don't... I, I always want more, but then, you know, when it is huge, I'm just like, this is too much. It's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's... Yeah, yeah and I, mean, I guess what I'm saying is a thing can be extremely open world and I'm still going to find enjoyment of that. I, I love The Witcher 3. But I'm not going to appreciate it in the same way that I appreciate something like I appreciated Ocarina of Time. And yes, I was younger, um, but, you know, I know that game like the back of my hand. And I can't say that for most modern titles. Yeah, no, no, you can't. I mean, A, it's just hard to. And then, you know, just because of the scale of some of these things. But, mm -hmm. um. Well, like we already said, we beat the game countless times over and over and over again. And when we spent our time knowing every last inch of the game, we 
red strategy guides on it. Oh my god, we used to bring those to school. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And compare, like, oh, this is my Ocarina of Time strategy guide. Look at the art. <laughs> I know. We had two different ones, right? I mean, it's the same things, but I don't know. Crazy. I, that's, I guess that's what I'm like. Ocarina of Time just represents a, a style of game that, you know, we absorbed 100%. And, yeah, I feel like it, that's what we're always longing for now. It's something that's going to make me want to see, you know, just fully absorb this game. Yeah. Um, and it. You know, you're right. It set the pace for games for, you know. Oh, my God. It still is, probably. Uh, Absolutely. But then, on the other side of that coin, we got Final Fantasy VII, right? Shut up, man. 100% set the tone for every RPG ever, right? Like this is kind of the standard you need to live up to. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's I, so a little bit, you know, flash forward a couple of years, we're a little bit older when we got our hands on it. Uh, yeah. Probably like two, two or three, or it was 97, but we didn't, I don't think I played it until I was yeah. until like maybe 2000, 2001. I actually just, you know, I remember, I mean, again, going over to Walter's house, right. Mm-hmm. And he was playing it and he was in uh, the the beach area. And I remember this super vividly. I, I forget what it's called. Um, yeah, something like Costa that. Del, Costa del Sol? Costa del Sol, right? Uh, yeah. So I, I remember that. And I'm just like, what the heck is this? I want to play this. And I can't even tell you why, right? That would look like fun to me. Coming from playing things like Ocarina of Time, but which had to play. arguably, arguably looked better. Um, right. I mean, Final Fantasy VII is a a rough game from technical uh, perspectives. You know, like right, you you can appreciate the background art and you can appreciate just the detail that's going on in front of you and the systems and just the size of the world. But you know, you take Ocarina of Time and there's there's some polish to that because it's more of an action game. Yeah. But I don't know. Final Fantasy VII, of course, is very like stylized. Yeah. Absolutely. So looking at it from the outside, I'm just like, wow, that looks really cool. Right. We, it just pulls you in. You want to know more about that world and what's going on. Ex- well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it did it well, right? Because yeah. uh, I wound up playing it and I uh, haven't stopped talking about it since. Right. And the awesome thing is, for me, it's like coming back to it in my adult years, you know, I appreciate both of these games um, still, but there's a, there's a narrative element to Final Fantasy VII that I can still really grab onto at this age, you know, and, and I can see just the, the larger message that's going on there. It's, it's a statement. It's not just, you know here's a fantasy story we built up. It's like, no, here's like a huge flaw of human existence that we're going to try and tackle in this very, very um, premature representation of JRPG. It uh, seems to always be topical. Yeah. Right. And uh, no, I mean, but I think the story um, as a whole and just the game is timeless seemingly right 
because right i mean you could pick up pick it up you know at any interval in our life and it and it still seems relevant yeah and it's still very fun to play yeah it is um, and of course ocarina of time is 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 fun you know i, I would still play it right at the same time i mean the story i mean it's a zelda story right yeah yeah and it, it's word and if you look at the n64 and what else was available during that time it was a it was a big story you know um but zelda like similar to how we were talking in the intro about stray and little nightmares and these more environmental storytelling pieces it's like that's kind of how zelda's always been it relies yeah. on very sparse dialogue no you know no dialogue from the main character but you know very sparse dialogue from everybody around you um and then a lot of it is just like seeing what's going on in the in the world building where final fantasy 7 is having a direct <laughs> like episodic here's where the story is going here are the big uh details you probably won't understand this as a younger adult or child. No, no. How how do you feel, uh, seven year old, about uh, class disparity? And we're gonna package all that all into a: Am I a clone? Am I not a clone? Is that guy a clone? Who's the real clone? I don't know. I'm just here to stop an environmental disaster. It's for mother earth which they they did that really well in the remake i will say because i'm not even sure i picked up on that in the original version but in the remake they were just like did we do that it wasn't yeah. supposed to happen yeah no they they well it's kind of hard to put emphasis on like those type of moments yeah and like tech with text boxes you know and pointy bits that's true. And, Square hands. And yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily call that a mark against Final Fantasy VII in this comparison because, you know, it's still hit home. You yeah, know, it, it, still, it still resonates even in that format. But, well, you know, with like the music and the tone and all that, uh, it, it definitely set like a somber sort of mood, right? Yeah, like you pick, you, you figured it out. And then you, you kind of you know, see. You know, when you're like you first get back, right? After mm-hmm. like cutscene, all that stuff playing, and you know, you could see where like the, the area is kind of blocked off. I'm trying to remember exactly when we were playing, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think you get kind of almost the, the grand scale of what just happened. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and walking back through the slums, you know, they've taken that painted background and they've, you know, crushed some buildings and yeah um, made really memorable uh architecture like damaged and stuff like the cat uh the cat slide oh yeah yeah the cat slide yeah that's always what i look at every time i load that up i'm just like ah the cat slide there it is and they put that in the new one and i was like yep (laughs) good old cat slide good old cat Um, slide yeah i mean back to the topic at hand what what do you how do you choose between the two though I feel like we should have never have had to. I know, and I'm trying now to to locate faults. I'm like, maybe the maybe if I if I put a, a cons list together of each game, that's going to help me determine which one. Like, do you look at them each as their own little package? You know, Final Fantasy VII is this game, and this is what it does right and does wrong. 
and then you know legend of zelda or ocarina of time is this it's like what are the problems i don't <laughs> i mean I can, they're there yeah i you know i don't know if i can i don't know if i want to pick them apart like that right yeah, right it's uh, like i can sit here and say that yeah ocarina of time's aiming system is absolute dog shit and yeah, but you know, so was everything. Six, it was all the Final, yeah, Final Fantasy VII had block hands, and sometimes you couldn't click on what you wanted to in the environment. It's like, yeah, they, they're they're dated, but well, I feel like it, that like, yeah holds true for every old RPG, right? Right. right. Um, um, yeah, as far as story, I don't know. Like, I I I say that Final Fantasy VII is this miles ahead narrative but then i think about ocarina of time and i'm like okay maybe it's not as like it it's not as heavy lifting on the the text and the dialogue but think about what's going on in that you know you're in this game you're traveling forward in time to like a post-apocalypse like you're pulling like a terminator essentially in this fantasy world and i don't know like giving that ability to the player on N64 seems kind of incredible. It's like, here's all these changes you can see in the environment. And this is how this person grew older. Uh, this house is abandoned. Um, you know, this is what's gotten worse since seven years ago when all this, this is what happening. This person looks like now that they're older and you totally met them when you were younger. And yeah. And you've had an impact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if yeah. you didn't have an impact in, in, you can now go back and make that impact happen because you know about it. Like, you know what's going on in, in the future. And that's that leaves you to figure out a lot. And you do. You just naturally approach that game with an inquisitive mind. Like, what's going, you know, how do all the pieces of this world work together? It was a super cool concept that was very well done. Uh, that I, I don't think any Zelda has, for me, like been able to hit home with like, uh, I, I, I guess a game defining mechanic like that. Yeah. Hard I, to beat, but you know, not but, one that has like narrative ties, at least. Right. It, like, it's, it's probably why I didn't like Wind Waker when it first came out, right? Because it was an Ocarina of Time. Yeah. I mean, if you're holding it at that standard, you're like, okay, this is so different, but. Yeah, and, and when I think about Wind Waker, I love it for a lot of different reasons, but it didn't replace that really awesome cons, you know, conceptual thing that was going on in Ocarina of Time for me. Like that still stands alone as like one of the coolest things that, that I've ever experienced in games. Right, it is. It is really cool. I mean, in other games, of course, have done stuff like that. Um, but it also has the water temple. Yeah, that place sucked. No matter how many times I run through that game, there's always that one key that I can't find. And I was always. a defender because I'm like, you know what? I don't know. Water Temple just makes sense to me. I, I know how to do it. And then I played it. And it was like it's like two years ago. I got I was like, where's that key? Son of a bitch. <laughs> you got me. I mean, I could tell you, right? Like, After I find all this it time. eventually, but it, it's going to get me stumped. That that's what finally I, I traded sides. I was like, nope, nope, fuck this place. I hate yeah. this temple. <laughs> it sucks. But yeah, and, you know, there's parts that are just like, ah, I don't feel like doing this. Now you're just making this hard. <laughs> I, this is in my mind. This, yeah, I was like, you know, I know what my heart is telling me, right? You know, and I gotta go with my heart. And then 
Turns out your heart is a sad bitch. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there was just a lot of like really, really cool aspects about that game, and I guess secrets and the way certain things are done, like even things like finding the shadow temple, draining the well, and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, just cool, you know. And I loved that as a kid. I still probably do. Yeah, I even love the yeah. BS, like collecting seven cuckoos to give this lady who apparently can't touch cuckoos, but right. is raising cuckoos. And now I'm starting to see some plot holes here. Sounds like her dad had gambling debts and got her mixed up into something. I'm pretty sure that's it. I don't know. Just the whole everything about that is just so, you know, every inch of that game is used. It's like, all right next here's the you know here's the forest temple you have to go into the forest and and do all the stuff and there's crazy um visual tricks going on and you know see that volcano that's the fire temple now you have to go into the fire temple and do all this stuff and go to the lake and i don't know you just you learn that landscape in that game like it's one of the characters i would dare to say nintendo games and especially games like nintendo 64 games and games around that time uh, just they just did that right because that's what they were yeah if you weren't playing like an ocarina of time you were playing something like mario or you know banjo kazooie as some, some form of platformers where exploring and collecting was the game right right everything is a is a mascot everything is a is a character well you know, and they then, do it well and it's i mean kind of promotes monetization and sellability and yeah, yeah, I mean, how many Mario merchandise exists in the world? From all of it, all of the merchandise is Mario. A lot. Actually, yeah. I don't know if you knew this, but every bit of merchandise ever created has a Mario logo somewhere on it, even the Apple computer. I believe it. And you know, and I'll toss it back to Final Fantasy VII. At the same time, something that's that I would call extremely unique about that game compared to something like Ocarina of Time is that you can really play it the way you want. It's not so much like you're going to get this tool to open this and this tool opens this and now you can do this. It's like, what do you want Cloud to do? You want him to be a healer? Go for it. You want, you know, Red 13 to to just be like the summoner of the group? What, like whatever you want to do, like you can craft those roles with those characters and it adds to like, all right, this time I go through Final Fantasy VII, I'm going to do it this way and it changes the weapons you use and the strategies you uh you take when you're fighting bosses and things like that and that's endlessly cool yeah no it is very very open right um and again i mean we already talked about it before but the materia system is just was it's genius. still my favorite system of any final fantasy like to it, this day i i love it it is so good and i just never realized how good it was um, but there is a lot of freedom and then just a lot of really cool things that you I never would have really expected was possible. Everybody in that game can do everything, basically. So, I mean, yeah, you can get through that game with um, Aerith as your damage dealer. Well, half of it. Spoilers. How am I going to say this? <laughs> like, how am I going to say this? <laughs> uh but yeah, uh, Final Fantasy VII, of course, isn't... Uh, I mean, it still, you know, it, it still has that exploration, right? And then it does have, like, 
um, a bleak open world, but it does have open world, big open environment with, yeah, very rememberable areas. And I would just say because, like, with each area that you go to, there always seems like a big significance, right? Or at least for the most part. There's, like, a few, like, little towns where, yeah, you know, like Costa del Sol, uh, where nothing really big happens. Uh, it's just nice, and there's a sick track bumping behind you. Yeah, exactly. It's cool. It's then you go to like Wu Tai, and you're, that place is crazy, right? I was just gonna say. I mean, the only thing that it, like comes down to is I don't know what's more important to us. Because that, I mean, that is what it comes game. down to. Because yeah, because because again, there are some faults. But a lot of the faults of the game is like you know what are you, what are you really gonna say? The products of the time. I don't think either one of them outweighs the other in its, um, you know, in its faults. I don't. I don't think that like, yeah, I I can't land on either one as like this is a more broken game, and so therefore, right. I just yeah, it really is. But <laughs> what is more important? I might have to go down to Desert Island for this one. Like, which one am I taking to a Desert Island? Yeah, but they offer different things. Like. They do. They, Sometimes they, Ocarina, they, uh, Ocarina of Time is an exercise. It's just like you're you're going through it for like a challenge to yourself. Right. Like a speed run, Fantasy, right? Yeah. You know? Final Fantasy VII is never that. It's always to take your time and bask and I don't know. Yeah. It's a slower burn. It is. Um, and, and, you know, like all RPGs can be a grind, uh, which can be a good thing, you know. Ocarina of Time... In a lot of ways, I hold responsible for just like I, I played games and I was into games before that, but I can't, I don't, I feel like that was the game that truly brought me into being like obsessed with video games and seeing what yeah. they could do and what I could find in them and all that stuff. Like I played tons of stuff on N64, but nothing sticks in my mind the way Ocarina of Time does, like on that Christmas when I was eight years old and, you know, that's what I was doing. And just that game opening up to me, I don't know. I don't think it, it's, it's one of my core video game rem, uh, memories right. is standing in the middle of um, the Kokiri forest and just seeing how all these little particles moved around and all these characters had things to say and, and movements and all that stuff. And I, I don't know, that's just magic. I well, I mean, of course, I feel the same way, right? Probably one of the reasons why I've played video games, you know, so vehemently, yeah, uh, as I do. At the same time, I don't. I would not play like RPGs like I do if it wasn't for Seven. Not at all. So again, that is tough. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that game burrows into your soul, and it never leaves. And I don't want it to. Yeah. All right. right. For the sake of, like, just getting through this. We got to vote. One has to go. I think we both established the fact that both of these games are extremely important to us, right? And uh, good thing in real life, you know, I can play both. Yeah. Uh, And I will play both. Uh, But... If I got to decide between one of them right now, I don't know. You decide first. I am going. <laughs> You're a piece of shit. You know that? 
Um, no, I'm, I'm at the same place. If I have to rip the Band-Aid off and just decide something, I'm picking the one that I think is just more saturated in my brain, and that is Ocarina of Time. I'm going with that. Okay. No turning back. Yeah. Uh, and for that same reason, I got to go with Seven. Okay. You know, I kind of like, always knew it would be this way. This, like, like I, I immediately already decided in my head, it's like, it's, it's Final Fantasy Seven for me. You asked me this 15 years ago, I would have told you it was Ocarina of Time. But since then, it's, like, it's kind of like that I've moved on from that in a sense, right? It'll always have a special place in my heart, but I've never moved on from Seven. Yeah. We have chocobo tattoos on our knees. I know. <laughs> They're matching. My next tattoo is going to be Red 13. What have I done? Can I go back? What have you done? Nope. It's already decided. I Son mean, of a I, bitch. I respect it. <laughs> but I don't see, you know, a Triforce tattoo on you. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> what did I do? I totally understand why you made that decision. It makes sense. Right. I, and I know I think that it makes I, sense for you. But I, I think so. And if I had got if I had said seven, I'd be sitting here yelling about something with Ocarina of Time. So what we're both saying is that we're cowards and we're leaving this up to Blaine. Yep, we are leaving it up to Blaine. And Blaine uh where is he? Blaine picked Ocarina of Time. Well, I kind of figured that. I wasn't happy to see that for some reason, and I think if he had voted for Final Fantasy VII, I wouldn't be happy to see that either. Yeah, I know. Either way, it's kind of like we lose that on a on a on a great game to. But hey, if it came down to that, we would probably have to start breaking it down to its parts, right? Yeah. And I will say, if um, Mario sixty four didn't make it into this next round, I think Ocarina of Time needs to be there. Yeah, can't argue with you there. Some 64 all-timers representation. All right, we did it, everybody. We got past the worst thing we've ever done. Um, The worst thing anybody's ever done, actually. I'm pretty sure. It's Uh, up there. (laughs) All right, so Ocarina of Time is going to advance, and now we're going into seed 30. Um, so we have three three more seeds, and then we're going on a round two, and we're going to do that tonight. So uh, seed 30 is going to be Super Mario Kart versus F-Zero. Whoa, that's pretty cool. Right. <laughs> I didn't even realize those were going Finally, a matchup that makes sense. I know. And actually, this is kind of hard for me because Mario Kart 64 was my preferred Mario Kart. I feel like, like it's most people's, and then Mario Karts that preceded maybe like yeah. less nostalgic but are better games. I feel like these are, um, I have equal interest in these two games. Like F-Zero is really cool for that, just that that uh, visual representation of speed. And then Super Mario Kart is Super Mario Kart. It's fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, eh, I feel like uh, F-Zero, uh, it's another like really stylized game. Super cool. Right. Yeah, I always feel like it was more of a game I'd try out, think it was cool, play for a couple of matches, and then I'd move on. But I don't know. If somebody was holding these two in front of me, I think I would say Super Mario Kart because I think that's going to be more of a fun experience where like right. the original F-Zero might be light. I mean, the only reason why I would go with F-Zero is because, you know, Falcon Punch. Falcon Punch. Falcon Punch. 
Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, with Super, I'm gonna go with Super Mario Kart. Yeah, since. right. Yeah, I'll go with Super Mario Kart too. It's just, I think more like, yeah, it's it's more globally iconic, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just a spinoff that was that was legit. Yeah. Um, and Blaine voted for the same. We're ruthless now that we got past the last. Uh, yeah, two. yeah. It was like. Get him and go. Fuck F Zero. We're gonna see this one. I can tell you what I'm voting for for this next one, right? Oh yeah, Resident Evil. Yeah. What is that? Le- Legend of the Dragoon. Yeah. Never heard of it. Oh well, you should. Uh, honestly, you need to play that game, right? I have it on my Retroid. Um, yeah, I played it a little bit back in the day, but uh, so yeah. By the way, C31 is Legend of the Dragoon versus Resident Evil Three Nemesis. Um, yeah, I played Legend of the Dragon a little bit back in the day, but I definitely didn't dive into it like I did some of the other ones we've talked about. Right. Uh, it was just a cool game. I think uh, it is it is like a cult classic of RPGs from that era. Of course, it, it was going up against a lot of like really good RPGs, like Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9. Zeno Gears. Yeah, Zeno Gears. Like... A lot of uh, sort of mana classics, you yeah. know. I mean, that's just the you know the the generation that kind of defined all that stuff. Uh, but there's Legend of the Dragoon, where you could uh, a perform cool combos whenever you attacked, transform into your dragon armor form, and do other like big magic attacks or a really complicated spinning wheel combo thing. You had to hit X right when it like reached the top, like repeatedly, and it got quicker and quicker. And that that kind of like is what your combos changed into into your dragoon form. Yeah, it was a hybrid combat system, which right. I think for early PS One is very. Um... I don't know. It's a little bit different, but Xenogears did have like a combo system and almost more of like an open combo system, right? Which was like super cool. Yeah. Uh, not to mention that game you can either fight in your mech or out of your mech. Uh, yeah, awesome yeah. concept. Which I don't know why that hasn't been done again. But well, uh, I think they did that with um, Xenoblade Chronicles X or something. That, like that that's it. Xenoblade Chronicles X. They do like a. They basically bring that back. Right. I yeah. I kind of really wanted to play that one, but uh, I have it. I, you can borrow it if you borrow the Wii U. Yeah. Wow. Talk about getting way off the track. Legend of the Dragoon. Well, you start talking about Zen- the Zeno series, and it's just... Dragon Souls. <laughs> Transform, right? It was the coolest thing ever to me as a kid. Uh, yeah. You know what wasn't cool to me as a kid? Zombies. I oh, developed yeah. that love later on. Yeah, and I gotta say, I did too. Um, I definitely wasn't going after the Resident Evil games on the 64 or the PlayStation 1 era. It wasn't until like later on in PlayStation 2 that I tried these out. And then it really wasn't until I fell in love with Resident Evil 4 that I went back and even explored a lot of these. But I will say that 3, I like what it does with existing alongside 2. In that, you know, they're all happening pretty much in the same three-day span. And you're experiencing different elements. Like in 2, you're exploring the police station and the sewers and... and uh, eventually the lab and in three you're really like running around the streets of raccoon city when everything is just going to absolute hell 
Right. Uh, it's a lot more action oriented where um, you get more ammo, you get more, you know, high powered weaponry and there's a lot more zombies. Like you're killing, you're, you're doing constant headshots. Unlike one where you're running for your life half the time. Uh, I will say it, I think it has a lot of um, too much ambition in that area because it sort of loses a lot of that environment. Like a lot of Resident Evils have done, right? You know, yeah. Uh, where... Which it's it's really cool, but it's it's closer. It's like it's perfectly halfway between two and four, I guess. Right. It it pull it doesn't Which pull makes from sense, four. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's like a perfect stepping stone from two to four, if I had to say anything. Which, if I can really digress here, did you ever play Zero? No, I haven't. It, it, it was actually really good because I feel like it kind of it's it's easier than the old Resident Evils by far, but it definitely almost perfected that before yeah. like four came out, like the the whole old style. But you know, you still get you get more ammo, you get more weapons. Right, more action oriented. Right, but there's still uh, a lot of puzzles and stuff like that. It was actually a really cool game in the first Resident Evil. I I like beat all the way. I have a physical copy of that for GameCube. Yeah, you should uh, try it out one of these days. But yeah, I don't even think Resident Evil Three was too widely held. It was short. It it was a shorter experience. I think people wanted a little more depth out or replayability out of it. Because you're really only playing as one character and you don't get to go through the game. There's not a lot of reward to going through that original Resident Evil 3 a bunch of times like it was with 2. Right. And, you know, I'm just going to say it right here. I can't speak too much to how Legend of the Dragoon feels and performs and is just generally how much fun it is to play. In this day and age, 2 and 3, it's not that fun for me to play. Like, just in my opinion, getting through those games feels like mostly a chore, uh, especially with the the remakes where they are. I mean, yeah, those remakes are faithful enough for it, it to, yeah, like they're not, I wouldn't say they're obsolete because I don't think any... Like you would rather play the remakes instead of the originals? Is that Absolutely. Like a yeah, hundred okay. times over, I'd rather I, play I, those. For sure, I thought you were just saying like, you would rather not play like any of them. I was like, well, wait a minute. I thought you liked this remake of the second one. Oh, no, uh, I just beat both of those remakes. I beat two for the fourth time and three for the third time just recently. Like, I'll crazy. play those over and over and over again. Meanwhile, I, I haven't finished the second one uh, all the way, and I, I have the third one sitting in my Steam undownloaded. Well, we're going to have some streaming to do. So look forward to watching Matt scream like a girl, everyone. Yay! How would you say... Legend of the Dragoon in this day and age, you know, like if you were to pick that game up right now, nostalgia aside, are you enjoying how that feels and how that plays? Or I mean, it you... still plays like, you know, it still plays like an old RPG from the 90s for yeah. better or for worse there. It also tried to do, I think, a lot. You know, I mean, we were even talking about, OK, you have combos when you're doing like your your main attacks, right? That means you have different animations based off of a sequence of button presses, whether you do that right or, or wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. That, of course, becomes very, like, clippy and not very good-looking at all. Yeah, That could stay, stay in, like, at least a remaster like they did with Final Fantasy VIII, you know, okay. and bringing in the new character designs, the, or character sprites. Uh, that would mm-hmm. be great for that game. 
Because kind of same thing, like a blocky mess. Because it was trying to do almost too much. And even more so now, because, yeah, like they haven't given it that port treatment right. even. Uh, and there there are certain things like, you know, there is no overworld. It's a map, right? And you click on like the next area. It never felt like very confined to me. I guess the different areas you go to are relatively big enough, but uh, I I still think it, you know, it, it plays like an old RPG. All right. Well, I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to pick here. Yeah. Legend of the Dragon. I obviously have more experience with one of these. If I'm going to pick up one of these. I think it'd be Legend of the Dragon, so I'm going to vote for Legend of the Dragon. Nice. And Blaine voted for Resident Evil 3. I'm really glad you decided that, because otherwise, I mean, I kind of figured <laughs> Blaine would probably be like, what the hell is Legend of the Dragon? Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I just, I want to see that move forward a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so Legend of the Dragon advances for C31. Uh, for 32, we have Bomberman 64 versus Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Can I just say... Bomberman 64 at the time was just all around super cool to me, right? Yeah. And there was a lot going on that I really liked as a kid, but I also never understood the what game at all. <laughs> I was about to say, I never beat that game because... No, me either. I was just... Either it was it was too challenging or I just had no idea what was going on. And it has that Japanese aura to it where everything is just confusing as hell right it's like okay and i think like one of us had a copy where it was used right and it had it had like a a save file that was like at the end of the game yeah you had all this cool stuff and all this cool (laughs) stuff that's going on you're like man i you know i want to play this game until i get to this to figure out all this stuff out but i just i couldn't never figured it out (laughs) yeah uh but it was still awesome, you know. We're talking about Bomberman. You know, we were talking about this before. The original was kind of like an arcadey sort of game. Uh, yeah, not, not kind of. It was. In this, they tried to go the adventure route, um, but it was this kind of cool isometric grid island you'd explore in each level. Right. And yeah, and it was so strange. Kind of had a little bit of a, like a Mega Man vibe going on. It did. It really, really did. Um, but yeah, it was more of a novelty to me than it was. Like I, I loved it for some reason, but it, it was like, frustrating. Well, remember, I think it was Goemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. I don't know. Like the mystical ninja just, game. Yeah, wanted to just master it, right? And play and it, and never just learn could. Everything. Never could. But I don't know. I would fire it up and just run around aimlessly for a couple yeah. hours. That's for sure. Meanwhile, Castlevania Symphony of the Night is just a really rad game that holds up very well. That, for a lot of people, is the quintessential Castlevania. Which is crazy, because I don't feel like they really made a lot of... The, like As many of these as you think, most of them are more get through the level and beat the boss. Right. It's not so much this Metroidvania style that... I don't know. It's like people kind of hold that as a mainstay for Castlevania, but I feel like it's more prevalent in this than any other one. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And I, I also just feel like it's a style that they, I don't know, they didn't necessarily move forward with. No, and it's strange because, well, they try to get into the 3D stuff after this. Yeah, they did. 
Um, but just the RPG elements of this, the armor you could equip, you could play with any weapon in this game, and a lot of them just broke the game, but it's so cool. <laughs> it was cool. Um, I think the only thing, there was like some for like the DS that were just cool. So that's oh, cool. yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, back in the day, but yeah, no, awesome. Uh, and you're right, like the RPG elements and the weapons, armor, all that good stuff just helped uh, make it a very well-rounded, cool game. Um, that probably makes a hell of a lot more sense than Bomberman 64. But also, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't have like a lot of. I guess I don't have like a whole lot of experience running through both of them. I never yeah. sat down and played all through Symphony of the Night. Yeah, and my cast, my Symphony of the Night experience definitely comes later on, like yeah, five years ago. <laughs> but uh, uh, I played Bowerman in the last five years too, and I definitely prefer Symphony of the Night. So I think I'm going to go with that. I, yeah, I, am, I, I think it's a better game, right? It's fully fleshed out, good video game as opposed to whatever the hell is going on in Bomberman '64. Yeah. And Blaine agrees. So, Castlevania Symphony of the Night advances. And, God, I'm looking forward to not having to say that anymore because it keeps making me slur. What, Castlevania Symphony of the Night? (laughs) All right. And with that, we are done with round one. It only took two and a half episodes. Yeah, only. Um, We're here. Broken hearts, right? I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to. A few broken friendships. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> You're dead to me. Oh my god! You left that on my doorstep. I did. I don't want your sweaters anymore. <gasps> the ones with the nibble cutouts. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna leave a gap here so I can put some cool round two music that I'm definitely gonna forget to put in. But yeah. round two. And we are starting with Seed 33, which you may remember is Resident Evil 2 versus Pokemon Silver and Gold. <laughs> Good luck with this one. I know. I feel like, like I don't have too much of a, not a huge stake in either one of these, right? I don't know why. It's, I like consider myself a big Resident Evil fan, but it's 2 and 3 are just such a bleak bot. But hey, yeah, I mean, Pokemon Silver and Gold. I mean, again, uh, of course, I played it. I think I played Soul Silver a lot more than I played Silver and Gold when it first came out. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, like I, I, I loved Red and Blue. And then I loved things like Ruby and, and Sapphire, right? Um, yeah. After that, it starts to kind of fall off. But uh, it, for some reason, Pokemon Silver and Gold, I didn't, I didn't pick up at the time. I mean, those were the games. Those were the after school, like get home and, and load my file back up and get back into silver and bring my Game Boy Color, my Kiwi Game Boy Color to camp yeah. and just play Pokemon Silver constantly in the sun or with a worm light or flashlight or whatever it had because Game Boys didn't have backlights. <laughs> no. That's the thing. I still love this game that much, even without light. Yeah. I don't even know how that works. Who knows, right? Yeah. We found a way, though. It's true. And yeah, 
you know, we've talked extensively about Resident Evil 2, and we just bumped off 3, and I'll kind of look at Resident Evil 2 for the same reasons. It's like, God, I love this game, but it is aged in a way that I, it's hard for me to, I don't know, because like, so has Soul Silver, but I think Soul Silver has aged a little better, or uh, Silver has aged a little better in terms of like playability. Right. But I, I don't know, if I look back, like, Pokemon Silver has has been a mainstay with me for most of my life. Like I've kept that game at arm's reach at all times, like ready to go. I think it's one of my favorites of all time. So I'm going to have to go that. It is kind of odd because I feel like they're both almost in that same sort of spot where uh, maybe for for a lot of people, the first iteration shined Mm -hmm. much brighter than 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 these two. But I think Pokemon Silver and Gold was, I guess, bigger than Resident Evil 2 wound up being. Uh, I think so. so. I'm going to go, especially with like Luigi, uh, Luigi, oh my God, uh, Lugia, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, all the legendaries in that game, You at the end, it was just like a, a festival of catching like crazy rare Pokemon that, you know, you had no hopes of getting in the first game. Um, right. And which are still like big things, I feel like. Yeah. And I can, I can tell you every single town in that game, which is not something I could do with even one because they start to just blur together. But Silver introduced, Silver and Gold introduced some character to the environments. So, you know, you knew what you were going through and you remembered, you know, where you had to backtrack and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So Pokemon Silver and Gold. Cool. That didn't hurt so bad. No. Nope. Oh, I have to look at the new list. Since we're in round two, uh, Blaine, po- Blaine voted for Pokemon Gold and Silver. It's unanimous. Pokemon Silver and Gold advances. Sorry, Resident Evil 2. We still care for you. Moving on to C34. And we have Super Smash Bros. versus Super Metroid. Interesting. Right. Uh, I mean, we already said a lot about both of these games. Both iconic. Uh, Super Smash Bros. was definitely just unexpected and awesome, and I will forever remember that commercial. Uh, but Super Metroid is Super Metroid, and I can tell you right now that wins through me. Well, I would say that if you look at Super Smash Bros., it was a really awesome introduction to an experiment. And for a while, that was the game, but it is not what... Melee and most things aren't what melee became, right? <laughs> but I just I yeah, I think really. I I think the peak of that series it's had multiple peaks. I think it's it's in one right now. But like the way it it rose and and reached the heights of melee 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 woo melee melee um melee. you know that that exploded into something that the first one could never possibly reach. Yeah. I mean, no, it wasn't, was, it wasn't, there wasn't enough there, you know? No. I mean, people still <laughs> pine over that game. That's, you yeah. know, to a lot of really annoying people, that's <laughs> the <laughs> only <laughs> Smash Bros. I know. Tell me about it. But, you know, it's still highly competitive. Honestly, the reason I won't With, even uh, highly about toxic, highly and, toxic, uh, like, uh, by rulant. You know, sort of I haven't been able to return to that game because of those people. Because yeah, every I, time I load it up, I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, I know. And but why but, would you when we have mm. the new one to play? 
I mean, yeah, but I will give credit to, you know, Melee, I don't know, it knocked that first one out of the park. And now it's just kind of a nostalgia trip for me. I think Super Metroid is still one of the best. It's definitely still one of the best Metroids, um, yeah. especially like recently beating Dread. I think Super Metroid cool. is, a, is a better game. <laughs> but yes, Super Metroid is a much better game. Than Dread's Metroid. awesome, but like... I mean, it, all it, all Metroids have tried to be Super Metroid, right? Yeah. Um, and like half the games in existence have tried to be Super Metroid. So what do you, you know, how, how can you compare? Yeah, no, I mean, it that thorough dungeon crawl map just on the SNES yeah. is just kind of crazy. Just well, the way I, you approach I, that. It defined uh, a giant subset of like level design philosophy. Yeah, a lot of people like how do how do you build levels right that that can be traversed and then retraversed and and rewarding players in discovery. Not to mention one of my favorite things about Metroid is the mobility, and I think that it taught a lot of game creators that mobility is a really important thing you don't always want a sluggish character sometimes you want that character to jump and run with like a very uh fluid speed and accuracy and like super metroid still feels right yeah like it still feels really really good you can play it on like an old analog controller and it still plays like same as feels good to play yeah and the more you unlock the better it feels it's like uh, let me just let me clear this room this room that I couldn't pass in the beginning of the game that's like 20 stories high. Let me just sprint and then do like a freaking super leap up in the air or like an endless uh, screw attack up in the air and just yeah, that game just feels yeah. great. It does. It really does. Um so uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with Super Metroid just in the fact that it's still killing it today. Yeah, same. Same. Blaine went with Super Smash Bros. Sorry, Blaine. You're wrong. I'm actually slightly surprised by that, right? Uh, but yeah, uh, a little bit. I think he. That seems like a game he would really like. Yeah, uh, Blaine. Have you not played Super Metroid? If you haven't, play it. But it's, it's Smash Bros. is a party game. I feel like that's always going to be his. Well, that's true. His area. All right. Um, moving a little faster here, since we've already talked about all these. Uh, in C35. Of round two, we have Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow for good measure versus Pokemon Snap. Funny how that lined up. I mean, I almost feel like Yellow is kind of a complete spinoff on its own. But uh, yeah, that is kind of funny how that how that lined up. Um, and I mentioned spinoff because for me, this is uh, kind of easy, right? We already talked about how how cool Snap was, considering what it beat out um for me to like eliminate it already seems a little sad uh but how could it compare to the original that started everything you know uh, yeah. which is pokemon red and blue i know and it's and this is a weird one because not you know in today nine out of ten times i'm picking up pokemon snap before i touch me red too. Blue, and yellow yeah so i don't know and you know we had silver and gold and like I don't want to compare it to the rest of the bracket, but you know there is something pretty incredible about just the way red, blue, and 
then yellow like hit the scene you know it's yeah. just it could set the world on fire yeah we already talked about it yeah if you, if you grew up in the 90s you were you you were playing this game and you probably own some cards you die kids still are obsessed over this stuff uh we're probably still in a way obsessed over this stuff um older new yeah and that that was that was the first and that was a big part of it, I think. I mean, the show helped, the cards helped, right? But playing the game was just it. I mean, let's look at the first 150 Pokemon, basically. That still, like, our our generation, our age group is going to look at those and, like, that's the Pokemon. And that's the only ones that matter. And honestly, a lot of the spinoff, you look at every spinoff game, those are the ones being focused on the most. You know, Pokemon, is it Pokemon Go? Yeah, Pokemon Go, when it came out, like those were the Pokemon because that's what, you know, they knew the majority of people were going to recognize. Right. Um, and, a, and a lot of them still are kind of those, the, the more iconic Pokemon. Yeah. You know, to every generation, it's, it's Pikachu, Squirtle, Bul- Bulbasaur. But, you know, you look at Pokemon Snap, it's, it's really. It's kind of like Smash Bros. It's a really cool idea and concept, and it's executed really well. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably yeah. go back and play that one more often than the other one, but it still is kind of a byproduct, right? Yeah. It, and, you know, that's that's kind of my argument. You know, it, it was a very cool experience. It was another game that I played over and over again for whatever reason. Um, an amazing experience, but uh, Pokemon Red and Blue defined a generation, so and defined that game. I was ready to come in here and vote for Snap. I know, I you know, I, I, I how can I like justify that? I, you know, I will have an maybe an maybe another argument between Pokemon Silver and Gold and Pokemon Red and Blue, but yeah, I'm not looking for Pokemon and Red and Blue and Pokemon Snap. I'm gonna go with Red and Blue. So you think I'm stupid? Wait, what? <laughs> I didn't say that. You didn't have to. But I was thinking it. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, Blaine voted for Pokemon Snap. After everything I said about it previously, it's it's almost hard for me to do it. But but I, I no, know. you're right. I mean, it, yeah, and I don't I don't think we're always arguing what is more important here. Like sometimes we're just like, this is what my heart says, and. <laughs> wants to go with but yeah in this case i think it matters yeah, exactly i don't know whatever sometimes we make decisions based off of what what just feels right to us and sometimes it's like well this is the like the logical choice yeah so now we're going to go into c36 which is going to be sonic adventure and diddy kong racing so i mean again diddy kong racing was a really cool game yeah uh, it, it had a lot of like well, like I said, it was a racing game, but it it, it brought in a lot of those uh, kind of platformy uh, adventure, collectathon yeah. sort of things that actually just tied in really well. And, and it had tons of character. It did. It did. But here's Sonic Adventure that somehow managed to move Sonic, you know, really well into a 3D space. It wasn't the first one game to do that, of course, but. Uh, it was the only one worth mentioning. Um, and besides the second one, it's still probably the only one worth mentioning. Well, yeah, and I, it and it did move it into an actual 3D space. I, I would call the ones before that more um, 
like baby steps into the 3D, like almost faking it a little bit. Right. Um, and honestly, they were just bad. <laughs> like those games are not fun to play. No, they're not. And a lot of the ones since, I mean, are kind of hit and a miss for various different reasons. I don't see why they didn't just look at the formula that was yeah. on Adventure, yeah. where you almost have this, like a hub with various little, I guess its own little things to discover there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you go, so you, you kind of just walk around and do like little things and explore these little, little areas um, or, or, you know, just mess with your, your chow for, for eight hours. Uh, and, and then you go into these levels that are all about just got to go fast. Yeah. But I will I, say, <laughs> the only thing I'll say is like, the first Sonic Adventure is it. It feels like the the first. It feels like the you know the the step into the 3D environment because there are so many rough edges with you know those levels, the level design, just um, kind of trying to move around in that space, and it it winds up just feeling like a big chore, like these days compared to Adventure Two, I would say. I mean, maybe I need to throw off the nostalgia goggles and run through it again myself. Uh, I just I remember liking it just as much as, as two, right? But I mean, of course, any any second one in this case uh, is is gonna iron out like some of those kinks. One yeah. thing that I do just remember period about the whole games is in terms of quickness and the levels going fluid. Honestly came down to you as like the player and almost like getting better at the game and knowing the level you could make it you could just shoot past the whole thing right because it kind of gave you that opportunity to okay you're on this running way more freedom you stop but you know you can if you hit the enemies right right you can kind of move on to the next sequence or grind on the pole or whatever you know you could you could just get through the whole thing very very fast which is kind of like the whole point this is all timed. Uh-huh. Yeah, and honestly, for me, it was it was a big jump because I had a lot of issues with grasping the 2D Sonic games. They just, you know, I had to be in the right mood to play them. Otherwise, it, it was just overwhelming. It was just like, I don't know where I'm going. I keep... <laughs> and I always remember that jump to 3D gave me something that I could sink my teeth into a little bit easier right. like they're a little more accessible it's like oh you're in 3d you can actually see what's coming up you're not just you know you're not just kind of throwing caution to the wind and figuring it out and so you could like you said learn those levels and plan them out a little bit better which is probably you know, how the originals were like as far as like two and three well any of them you yeah. know once once you got more familiar with it all you you could you could you go fast right you kind of like but there's less surprise. Yeah, well, of course. Um, there's a lot less surprise. But that's something later songs just kind of missed entirely. You know, it kind of got into like, okay, well, you have these runway uh, parts, you know, mm-hmm. as they all do, as Sonic Adventures did, one and two, um, where you're going really, really fast, but then you like stop and they tried to add like in some some sort of gimmick or mechanic to it and that just completely ruined the flow of the level it, it was know? always very yeah it was always very jarring yeah so you know um, now i'm a werewolf hog 
something. Oh my god, bad. that game is so bad. Yeah, or <laughs> I have a sword and I'm making out with human princesses. And we promised we weren't going to talk about that. You, uh, yeah, you, so, you swore to me. So you know, these were all things that happened. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know why they decide to like lose that. I, I, and they still haven't gotten it back. Seemingly, there's still like these instances. It's like, okay, well, we we kind of just you know. We want the ability to learn how to fluidly go through a level, beat it as quickly as possible, and it'll feel good, right? To do everything, but that there just isn't. You have like these these areas of maps where I go super, super fast. Uh, cool. And then I dead stop to do something. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of the, um, the curse of Sega and the Sonic team, I feel like, is that they're always either trying to throw something in there that doesn't need to be in there to their formula, or they're playing like constant catch up with the rest of the world. It's right. like, okay, you're trying to make a Sonic game, you're trying to like get ahead of the curve and make something, but you know, look how Sonic Frontiers is coming out. This is really late for Sonic Frontiers to be coming out, just in my opinion. It's like, oh, absolutely. Like, Odyssey we're... was five years ago. You yeah, know, like, I mean, I mean, honestly, maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Maybe so. I mean, a lot of from what we've seen, like, I don't particularly care too much. Uh, the the open world seems a little bleak. Okay, it seems uh, it's too realistic, but I think maybe once you start getting into the yeah. I feel like that's fine if you get, yeah, exactly. Like if that's just like the overworld, because then we're almost going into the idea of like adventures, but on a grander scale where, yeah, okay, we have this open world hub sort of playing ground, you know, where we could do wherever and discover different things. Yeah. Um, And then, then, but then we have the levels that are like your more typical Sonic. And if it's focused that way, I think that's going to be cool. And I will say something, um, something to Sonic Adventure one, because like, I would say like I'm more of a two fan, right? But something Sonic Adventure One I think has over. Well, two. a lot of people are right. You know, you brought in Shadow, and well, let's not get started on all of that. Yeah, Shadow and his guns. <laughs> right, that, that was also a thing. Yeah, and and I honest, honestly like I love the Chow Garden elements of those games oh, more than yeah, anything. Really, yeah, because yeah. awesome. But one had a lot more consistency with its progression um you were like how you were saying like you know later sonic games you'd run into just roadblocks that would just kill the momentum dead in its tracks yeah well two adventure two battle kind of did that right by making every other level be a completely different game it's like okay now you're tails in a mech that is just a pain in the ass to control and now you're knuckles digging for treasure in certain areas it's like i like those things i just don't think they should have been constantly flip-flop back and forth and one has this more you know direct this is a sonic game run through the levels and then bring this back to your chest because like i don't always want to go and and completely switch up my game style they know. probably should have made it to where like you kind of select the character to you like want to play run through like there what levels at that time exactly you know whatever uh even if that would have like broken up the story or something like that and you're i i think almost in in the concepts uh of two those things were fine too right because sonic still played like you know like you wanted to play sonic and these other things they played different and that's okay yeah uh but i wanted to play those levels as Knuckles. sonic heroes uh, yeah 
my god, why, why would they make that game? Oh my god, yeah, that was bad. And then, uh. yeah, and it was still cool. Like I still like playing Knuckles. I and mean, when you think about the like the playthrough of that, some of that stuff, it's like it's really kind of monotonous, but it was fun. But yeah, so I don't know. Two is a little more segmented and constantly flip flopping. And I just yeah, I think one that uh, that adds to its pro list. Uh, where know. were we? My God, Sonic Adventures yeah. versus Diddy Kong Racing. <laughs> I completely forgot that that was even what we were doing. I mean, we talked about Sonic Adventures here for what the past twenty minutes, I guess. Uh, uh, maybe we're looking at it through like the lens of that franchise as a whole. Which um, is part of you know, it's part of yeah. I mean, Diddy Kong Racing, yeah. or even Diddy like Diddy Kong has a couple games, but they're really Donkey Kong games where he's the player. Right. There, and there was no other Diddy Kong Racing. That being said, I still think it's one of my favorite games on sixty four. And it was just a cool game, right? But Sonic Adventures is one of my favorite games on Sega Dreamcast that had like all the great games. Yeah, it was, and and it did launch the Dreamcast, and it, that was pretty incredible. It did um, even like the artwork? Yeah, uh, it's Sonic Adventures for me, mm. but it's it's surprisingly kind of a hard pick. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to go with that too. Eh, some things you just you decide because you know you're. No, no, I'm going with Diddy Kong. <laughs> I know I'm going with Diddy Kong. I'm going with Diddy Kong. I can't. I like it better. And it doesn't matter. I should have decided Resident Evil 2. <laughs> it's all right. Blaine voted for Sonic Adventure. Ah, thanks, Blaine. <laughs> uh, Sonic Adventure is going to advance. Oh, this is, this is another weird one. Yeah, moving on to Seed 37, we have Super Mario World versus Final Fantasy 6. I don't know. This yeah, I, I don't know either. It is it's just kind of like another weird one. I don't know how much stake I hold into like both of these. Like I like six, but you know, it's not like it holds the same weight to me that uh, you know, seven. I mean no, we were we ten. were more in the three D Final Fantasy, you know, focus. Right. That that was us. Um this is like later on I played these titles for one. Yeah, yeah. But I never really, you know, grew up with the Super Nintendo and played Super Mario World. Uh, though I appreciate both of these games for what they were, especially at the time. Yeah. And I mean, Super Mario World, again, it's just that game is endlessly replayable. And it's, yeah. I mean, I was definitely more of a Mario 64, but Super Mario World is, in my early memories, is just something somebody always had. And, right just the ability to pick up that game and go through it in a way that's not built to irritate you like the earlier ones were they're honestly great games not trying to commit heresy here but um one through three they're not as it's not just a difficulty curve it's the not saving and not allowing you to you know move around and choose what level you want to go to it's just kind of like mario super mario world gave you that freedom to it was more accessible, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, and it started that trend, that trend of accessibility in Mario games. Uh, meanwhile, Final Fantasy VI definitely started a lot of trends in Final Fantasy titles with, like, you know, the uh, the Machina and all that. Yeah. Um, Bringing more of the sci-fi into, like, we might not have had the sci-fi future of Final Fantasy without that move. 
And maybe a lot of not everybody likes that, but we like that. And a lot of great, great titles have come out of that. You know, it's another tough one, but I, I, I almost feel like Super Mario World was huge. Um, in Final Fantasy VI was pretty big, right? You know, especially for RPG fans. Um, maybe, maybe the generation before us, it was a little bit bigger for whatever reason. A little bit older kids when it. I would say eighties babies. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, they ate that up, and that that kind of started everything for them. Like, well, you know, this was released as three on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. So yeah, for a lot of people, a lot of kids born in the eighties who had Super Nintendos, it, it was Super Mario World. But then, like Final Fantasy VI was just this. I mean, bringing some pretty awesome narrative to. It showed a completely different side of video games, right? It did. It did. Like, how 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 can you tell a story? You know, there here's a new way to tell a story in this game, uh, which is great. And I mean, a female protagonist, right? I know. That's my. Fa- that's always my favorite part about it. It's, it's like, like, oh, if I choose Final Fantasy VI, I feel like I would be choosing it just because it's like Final Fantasy. Where I know Super Mario World is is a good game, and it made a lot of like innovations, and maybe almost kind of started like uh, some of the aspects of Mario games that I really like when they bring in these sort of different different mechanics yeah. um, at the, you know but at the same time it really wasn't doing anything extremely new no nah, it was just building upon what was there right but perfecting it i guess you would say you know perfecting what one through three presented and i you know i guess six is recycling when it comes to rpg mechanics but at the same time it right and there's nothing new there that i can except the narrative side of things yeah. And and just I guess the design, but I mean that's not the first time we've had sci-fi elements in a Super Nintendo game either. But yeah, when you come at it from the story angle, I don't know. Both of these are pretty heavy hitters. I think I'm gonna have to. I might have to give it to Super Mario World. Right. I think I think that builds up a little more of my repertoire than six does. If this um, was seven, seven would go forward for me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I kind of feel the same way. It'll remind me to add six. On to the ever-growing list of games that I just need to like run all the way through. I know I wouldn't mind. Again. I wouldn't mind getting through that like this stage. Yeah, I, I think I'll hand it to Super Mario just for what it is. All right, and Plane agrees, so we have a unanimous vote for Super Mario World. That's going to advance. Next, uh, we have the 38th seed, which is Tony Hawk Pro Skater versus Yoshi's Story. I'm gonna. I know what I'm going with here. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this is uh, an easy one just because uh, uh, Yoshi's Story was a really cool game. But, I mean, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was just an awesome game that yes. still holds up, right? Yeah, it's just so important to so many people. I don't, I don't know. Who's ready for that? Skate 4. Yeah, I actually am. Although, I don't know. There's going to be some weird monetization in it, but I'm sure we can get into that once it's once it's here. Yeah, um, was- I'm still really pissed off about the Tony Hawk 3 and 4 remake being sh- fucking canned. Um, yeah, as you should be, but I mean, it's Blizzard and Activision Blizzard. Uh, what what bad stuff don't they do these days? Oh, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Whatever. Public opinion is not fond of that company. Yeah, a lot more. It was good to go online after our last recording and see that the internet is just kind of all in that train of thought like what the hell like this was something that clearly everyone wanted what is your problem (laughs) 
Uh, I don't know. They need more more Call of Duty, right? They need uh, to change that- like three things on Overwatch and call it Overwatch 2. How do you well, actually put that in quotes? How, how like how do you say that quote out loud? It's like, yeah, we um dissolve the studio and put them into Call of Duty. It's like you you hear yourself, right? It's the bigger asset. That was a studio <laughs> from like the late 90s. They they were uh, they were around for so long. I would assume a, a lot of those people just didn't like they probably left their job. More I mean, than likely. A lot of them probably did, but the rest of them are just you know, their identity was squashed and they were just fucking absorbed into the rest of the company. Yeah, the giant cog. It's gross. Pour one out for Tony Hawk Pro Skater. That's what I'm voting for. Yeah, same. And Blaine voted for the same. Tony Hawk advances. Yoshi's story, you're cool. But um, you probably deserved it for what you did to Soul Calibur. Yeah, bastard. Oh no, the 39th seed is Metal Gear Solid versus Zelda A Link to the Past. Damn it, not again. You know, I already had this discussion, right? And Metal Gear Solid is a huge game for me. Yeah. Kojima is a huge person to me. And I've loved every game that he's he's ever touched so far. And Metal Gear, of course, started that for me. And it is another game. And oddly enough, it's another game way later on in life, right? Where I'm like a teenager now. And yeah. I'm, I'm still beating Metal Gear Solid over and over again. We'll never not. Every generation, yeah. they, you know, four. In Metal Gear Solid Two, we won't anymore because it's been buried. But right, but still, and, and you know, Metal Gear Solid Three. I mean, still, it's it's a, it's a bit uh, a bit more difficult to just run through, right? Because there's a lot more nuances to that one. But still, do you do you remember the first time you showed me Metal Gear Solid One? I don't think I did. Um, we were all at your house, and you showed me Metal Gear Solid 1, and I beat it. I took it home. I started it there, um, the GameCube version, though. I didn't go back and beat the PlayStation version until later. Uh, but the GameCube version, went home, beat it, went out, bought 2 and 3, and beat both of them in the same week. <laughs> like, I, I, I did not stop playing that series until I had caught up. And yeah. just like Zelda, Mario... Resident Evil, any of the, you know, Pokemon, the big ones, like it represents a different way that you can do games. That's what yeah. it represents in my memory. Oh, like absolutely. Metal Gear Solid shows you the weird, quirky, creative things that you can do when creating video games or playing video games. And quirky is a good word for it, right? In, 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 in all the best sense mm-hmm. is Metal Gear the series from from its like gameplay designs right you hide in a in a freaking box in a cardboard box from people um and then you also like do things like shoot bazookas at giant mechs uh how many, how many times playing metal gear solid just one i guess you could just look at one how many times do you remember going oh <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, oh, no, it's like now I get it, uh, and then it's like no, way I didn't get it. And it's not like now I do. <laughs> yeah, now I do. And sometimes it's not. It's like yeah, that happens with story stuff. That happens with you know game mechanics. But so, and sometimes it's things that you don't even need to beat the game. Yeah, you have your psycho mantis fight where unplugging the controller or 
looking on the back of, or the codec, like looking on the back of your box to get the codec uh, number. That one. Those are things that you kind of have to figure out and do, and they're crazy that they're even in that game. Right. Um, but then there's stuff that just doesn't, you don't even need it to beat the game. It's just weird, quirky stuff you can do, like the box trick. You don't have to hide in boxes. No. You don't have to choke people out in a certain way going through that game. But if you do it, you're just... I want to, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you you really start to um you start to play as like snake, right? You're, like you want to be Yeah. You you want to be snake and you want to be like that that perfect snake in all the sense. You um, yeah, it 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 comes with a, a kind of an instilled patience. Like you play that game with a patience because it matters for some reason how you go through it, you know, um, or things like later on like not killing anybody, you know? Yeah. I don't do that in any other game. Ah, I know. <laughs> and in that game, it's it's almost like an inconvenience sometimes, but you still want to do it. And then the the rewards for you want to get like the rewards for it, but because uh, you're not just killing, you know, you're not just incapacitating someone and moving on. You are waiting for them to run their route. You're shooting them with a trank dart, or you're or did they have? They didn't have the trank dart until. The remake. Uh, well, yeah, they re- yeah they didn't have that in the original. You could cho- choke them out and stuff, and I I think you just killed whatever boss. But yeah, uh, so you're then. yeah, so you're stalking them. You're seeing their pattern. You're hiding under things. Then you're choking them out. Then you're finding a container or a locker to put them in, or you're shaking them to get their shit. <laughs> like, yeah. it it's not just okay. Incapacitate and move on. The same thing happens if you shoot them in the head. It's like no, it different changes the whole game they'll wake up eventually you know or somebody might find them and then they can wake up and they know where you are i just remember you could slip on bird poop in the second game oh my god i don't don't know why that's made me laugh the second uh, game upped the weird (laughs) yeah oh yeah and it continued on and i i swear kojima did that all on purpose just so he can bring raiden back to be like the biggest badass in gaming history and we would all be like, wait, that guy? Like it's like the most devastating glow up ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. Oh, but it's you, so cool. You're really cool, but you're also very sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you have to be a little sad to be that cool. Or you're oh not really God. cool. The freaking nude running around scene when everybody's just talking to you weird over the codec. Oh still man. haunts me. <laughs> no, that that whole that whole sequence is just Ugh. Well, you know, a, a mind fuck, like yeah. a better word, you know? So <laughs> Legend word. of Zelda, A Link to the Past was, I think, my first video game. My mom got me a Super Nintendo at like a garage sale and Link to the Past was one of the games that came with it. And I was not very good at it, but I could not stop playing it. It was just like, what is this? Uh, I mean, of course, it's 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 a classic. Yeah, and it has... A really strong identity when it comes to just the items you find in that game and the tools that you get uh, to get through the game. Like, I don't, you know, the previous Zeldas had some of that, but they were a lot more direct and less explorative, I think. Um, and this, like, Super Metroid had, it was just a heavy hitter. It was that big nooks and crannies explorative game. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a lot of similar attachment to it. It's like Ocarina of Time, but. I think Metal Gear Solid just showed me more of what a game could be. 
So I think I'm gonna go with that. Me too. So Metal Gear Solid is going to advance. Blaine voted for Link to the Past. I think that's gonna do it for today. We're half. We're close to halfway through the second bracket of the second round, uh, and then once we're done with that, we'll be moving on to round three. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening. Join us next week to go into the rest of round two. Uh, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at The Nerding Grounds. You can show us a little extra support at patreon.com slash nerding grounds. Uh, but obviously a like, share here and there will we'll do just fine. Thanks and have a great weekend. Bye everyone.